Hey y'all, I'm Kim. And I'm Lark. And we host Kudzu Killers, Homicide and Sweet Tea. Each week we discuss the juicy details of real life murders that happen in the southern U.S., sometimes with inappropriate laughter. But we try to be nice. The stories may be old, cold, or recent. Whatever we find that perks our interest. We download a new episode every Tuesday. You can find us on all the major apps as well as a few minor ones. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all the rest. Just drop on by our host page at buzzsprout.com and pick your favorite app to download us on and be sure and listen. And be sure to check our blog at kudzukillerspodcast.blogspot.com where we have extra content that was just too much for our little show. So y'all come on, sit down with us and have a big old glass of sweet tea and enjoy listening to us talk all things murder. Bye now. Bye y'all. Martinez and welcome to the neighborhood. And we're back. If you're a recurring listener, thanks for tuning in again. If you're new to the neighborhood, welcome and get comfortable. If you don't know, I'm Cindy and I love to tell true crime and paranormal stories. Every two weeks, I pick a location to do weekly episodes on. One true crime, one paranormal. This week, I'm covering a paranormal case in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello, everyone. How how are you doing? How are you mentally? How are you emotionally? I feel like we just had this conversation. Um, hopefully better than me. I'll say that. Hopefully you're doing better than me. Um, this has been kind of a rough week for me mentally and emotionally and personally, actually. Um, a lot's been going on, and, um, yeah, it's starting to get to me. So, you know, besides the COVID cases rising in Illinois, which is very bad, and it's looking like we're about to do a stay-at-home order again because people aren't listening and Thanksgiving's coming up and I think JB the governor he said you know maximum 10 people in a Thanksgiving gathering and I'm pretty sure that like half the state is not gonna listen and um the county I live in they only have like 23 ICU beds left which is bad. We're at like 11% infection rate right now. That's awful. Um, And it's going to get worse because it's winter and then flu season and it's going to get worse. And then, you know, and my timeline is just like filled with like COVID this and COVID that and election this and election that. And it's, it's starting to get to me like the point where it's bringing out the worst in me (laughs) because people believe like, stupid conspiracy theories about COVID and about the election, um, which is so stupid, because, like, as they're counting and recounting, it's still looking like a 5.6 million difference in votes, and people are still trying to argue this. Um, So, yeah, it's getting really aggressive on my timeline, and it's bringing out the absolute worst in me. Um, 
And so I uh, I had to, like, step back a little bit. And I still do it every once in a while. Like, and, and I'm the last person that likes to get into an argument with a stranger on the internet. But it, it happens to all of us, you know. Um, so what I've started trying to do is at the end of every day, I... I post something positive, and there's always, like, a positive, like, wholesome viral video that, you know, people see, like, a kid crying, or, or you know the one that gets to me, is the one of the, the babies that get the cochlear implant, and they get to hear for the first time, oh my god, that one gets to me all the time, because it's so sweet, or, um... You know, just stuff like that. And uh, it's just like a nightly dose of positivity. Um, and I, I think it's uh, I think it's working so far. Also, I've, I've decided to, like, stop stressing myself out every single day. Like, I always try and get a certain amount of research or writing done every day. And, you know, there there's always days where I don't finish it all or I don't get it all done and I'm always so hard on myself for it so I've I've stopped doing that and basically just said it's okay if you didn't do it today you'll still get it done tomorrow and it's working because this week is the least stressed I've been about the podcast and yet here I am on time getting it done so it's that's very helpful. So I definitely, with that relief of stress and, like, being so tough on myself, I've been able to actually take time for myself, which I don't do very much because I, I pretty much, since I'm the only one unemployed around here, I, I do, I, like, take care of my dogs and, like, if I need to cook or clean, I do that and then I finish my day off with, like, research and writing. So now I actually take the time to watch TV or just, like, veg out if I fucking want to. And it feels really good. And I've been watching, like, my comfort shows, like Gilmore Girls and Frasier. But I've also been re-watching Supernatural because, I mean, why not? <laughs> and it's ending, so that's coming up and that's going to be really sad and then Chappelle shows on Netflix so I'm letting myself laugh and like you know because of course all the aggression with the election has started and it's not as bad as I previously predicted but I feel like the worst of it's going to be in, on December 14th when the electoral college votes I feel like that's when the worst of it is going to be but until then it's just going to be built up to it so I have to like I have to be really careful with my mental health because it's important and I need to stay out of like comment sections. I need to stop responding to stupid people. Um, it's really hard to do. <laughs> it really is, but um, I just have to, you know, you, we all have to. Like we can only inform people so much and they're only just going to deny it because it's not something they want to hear which is our literal political climate. <laughs> it's quite unfortunate. Um, but yeah, here we are. <laughs> so let's distract ourselves with a paranormal story. So this one is, of course, in Vegas again, and it's actually in a hotel I stayed in, and I had no idea. 
Um, so I'm, I learned this with you guys. Okay, all right, get comfortable. Let's get into it. Las Vegas, Nevada, Sin City, the gambling capital of the world, known for its bright lights, nightlife, and just about the worst shenanigans that you can get yourself into. They don't say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas for no reason. This city has an interesting history, and the energy is loud and vibrant and totally in your face. As I said in the previous episode, I made a trip here in 2016, and I have to say, it lived up to its reputation. While searching for a haunting in Las Vegas, it came as no surprise to me that practically all of Vegas and Paradise is littered with ghosts, a lot of them connected to the mob, because of course. But what knocked the wind out of me is that the most haunted location on the Las Vegas Strip is the very hotel I stayed in during my visit. I was floored. I honest to God didn't notice it and thought I was just feeling the buzz of the city combined with vacation jitters. I remember feeling uncomfortable on the casino floor, but it was 3 a.m. I'd been drinking and again, I thought it was vacation jitters. I really didn't realize it. Bally's Las Vegas. A hotel and casino on the Strip, located at 3645 South Las Vegas Boulevard. Turns out, it was the site of the original MGM Grand Hotel and one of the most devastating disasters in Nevada history. A fire that killed many people and injured even more. And some of those guests have yet to check out. Good evening. At least 75 people have died today in a fire in the biggest hotel in Las Vegas. Another 300 were injured. The fire was in the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino, which was built in 1973. About a thousand people escaped by fleeing to the hotel roof where they were lifted off by helicopters. A county official said the blaze may have started from a grease fire in the kitchen of a ground floor delicatessen. We have a report from Frank Burkholzer. The sources I use for this story are hauntedrooms.com, a blog spot post by Seek Ghosts, vegasghost.com, The Haunting of Las Vegas book by Janice Oberding, hauntedplaces.org, fallenvegas.com, and of course, Wikipedia. The history of the current Bally's Las Vegas goes back to the mid-1960s to the early days of the Las Vegas Strip. The 43 acres of land was originally occupied by the Three Coins Motel, which opened in 1963. It was then purchased and replaced by Western-themed hotel and casino, the Bonanza Hotel, which opened in July of 1967. Due to financial issues, the casino closed after three months, but the hotel was still in operation with 160 rooms. In 1968, businessman Kirk Korkian purchased the Bonanza, then sold it to a group of investors several months later. The Bonanza had several classic Vegas perks, like a showroom, a theater that screened several classic films, 
and of course the reopening of the casino, which was popular for its country music acts, such as Buck Owens. Kukorkian regained control of the Bonanza in 1970 via a foreclosure action lawsuit, and his company, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, purchased the land in December of 1971. The Bonanza and adjacent hotels on the land were demolished, and construction went on for two years and cost $106 million, opening in December of 1973 as the MGM Grand Hotel. Its tower was 26 stories high and had 2,100 rooms, making it the largest hotel and casino in the world at the time, and it became the central viewpoint of the Las Vegas Strip. The MGM Grand, with its modern take, set the precedent for the style and luxury often seen in modern Vegas hotels today. Its design was based on grand hotels that were common in Europe during the early 20th century, with its many shops, eight restaurants, 25 bars, five entertainment lounges, a convention space, two theaters with long-running shows, most notably Jubilee. This mega hotel, quote, was to be the signal of a new era dawning in Las Vegas, an era of even more change and excitement than that of the worst disaster in Nevada's history and one of the worst hotel fires in the world. Despite its grand luxuries and notoriety, it came up profoundly short in terms of safety protocols, and due to that irresponsibility, it cost them the lives of many guests and employees, not to mention millions of dollars. On November 21st, 1980, it was just a quiet, regular morning at the MGM Grand. Thanksgiving was just six days away, and the hotel was at 99% capacity, with an electronic convention Comdeck in town, tallying up to 5,000 guests and employees in the vicinity that day. The hotel was undergoing construction at the time, as they were building a second tower, and in the first floor, the upscale restaurant, the deli, was undergoing an inspection by a tile crew, as it was 7.07 a.m. and many guests were asleep in their rooms or gambling away in the casino. A supervisor noticed a, quote, flickering light, which turned out to be a wall of flames. Employees tried to extinguish it while security was advised and they alerted the Clark County Fire Department. Smoke seeped into the ceiling vents and the lights went out. The fire spread quickly throughout the deli as the decor was highly combustible. We're talking plastic molding, wallpaper, and carpeting. Then, a fireball exploded from the restaurant area and went hurtling into the casino at a rate of 15 to 19 feet per second, then into the main lobby and other connected shops and restaurants, blowing out the glass of the front entrance. Many employees and guests didn't have any time to react, quickly overcome by the fire and fumes. Evacuation began immediately, and Clark County Fire Department showed up within minutes of being called, arriving to a site of destruction on the street level and thick black smoke above the tower. It's important to note here, no alarm went off, 
The hotel did not have an automatic fire alarm system, nor any smoke detectors, and prioritized sprinklers mainly to the money-counting areas. They also had no smoke nor carbon monoxide detectors in their central air system, so while the fire department was able to keep the fire contained to the first floor, the smoke, carbon monoxide, and toxic fumes rose high via the vents, elevator shafts, and stairwells, where thousands were completely unaware of what was happening below them. When the smell of smoke reached the high levels of the MGM Tower, many guests began making calls to the front desk, which was completely destroyed, and finding the phone lines were dead. In a panic, they turned on the TV to see the hotel up in smoke. Many of them, in desperation to breathe, covered their mouths with wet towels. Some even opened their windows to get fresh air, only to make the situation worse, as it let in the thick black smoke from outside. The elevators were stuck, leaving many to run to the stairwell in the hopes of escaping, but the thick black smoke was even worse, and due to the hotel's safety features, the stairwell doors locked behind them, giving them only access to the roof or to the first floor. Many wouldn't make it. Outside was another huge mess. Coming in for backup was North Las Vegas Fire Department, Las Vegas Fire and Rescue, and the Henderson Fire Department, but the only ones who knew the layout of the MGM was Clark County, which hindered the evacuation efforts, taking well over four hours to complete. From outside, they could see many people still trapped in their rooms, breaking windows and hanging sheets to alert first responders they were still there. The fire ladder could only reach the ninth floor, leaving some to climb down the sheets to get lower. A construction worker used a scaffolding platform to lower guests to the ground. There was a lucky few who made it to the roof, prompting a helicopter rescue from Nellis Air Force Base, as they had many Florida Station choppers at the time for the Red Flag Show. They airlifted 1,000 survivors from the roof. Meanwhile, there were still many in their rooms, trying to block the smoke from entering by using towels and mattresses. The whole strip came to a halt, with many onlookers watching from a distance, and traffic on the strip stood still. On the street level of the MGM, there was glass, crushed cars, and smoke everywhere, and first responders kept having to dodge the shards of broken glass coming from the top of the tower, where many were breaking their windows. Many first responders reported to irregular char patterns and having to crawl through the dark and over, quote, mounds of stuff while extinguishing the fire. Once the smoke cleared, it turned out those mounds were dead bodies. In the end, there were a total of 87 deaths and over 650 injuries, including 14 firefighters. Most of the bodies were found in the casino area near an elevator and on the upper levels of the tower. There were a total of 18 deaths on the casino floor, 61 deaths between the 19th and 24th floors, their bodies found in stairwells, hallways, and bedrooms. 
10 bodies were found in an elevator. A couple was found in their bed, having died in their sleep. 75 died from smoke inhalation and carbon monoxide poisoning. 4 from smoke inhalation. 3 from burns and smoke inhalation. 1 from burns. 1 from myocarditis and one woman from massive skull trauma when she leapt from a 17th floor window to her death. Many of the bodies were described as their nostrils and mouths filled with soot. The carbon monoxide levels were found to be from 25% to 66%, which is extremely high. 300 firefighters, although they didn't receive medical attention, reported suffering from nausea, headaches, and dizziness, their symptoms aligning with carbon monoxide poisoning. The first floor had the most damage, many walls having been reduced to studs, but throughout the entire hotel there were soot and smoke stains. Shortly after the fire, the hotel was looted of its jewelry and blackened money. Upon immediate investigation, the fire was found to be electrical due to faulty wiring from a refrigerated pastry display case in the deli. While accidental, it was deemed completely preventable from spreading, with investigators citing 83 building code violations, not to mention the highly flammable synthetic material used as decor, and no one was ever charged for it. It's said that MGM chairman, Fred Benninger, who was directly responsible for not implicating fire safety codes into the hotel, was overcome with grief and guilt that it, quote, almost killed him. Dozens of wrongful death lawsuits were filed against MGM, resulting in $223 million for the victims and their families. As a result, Nevada put some of the strictest fire prevention laws in the United States, revolutionizing fire safety protocols for the city, state, and hotels everywhere. Reconstruction took eight months and cost over $50 million, but the MGM Grand reopened in July of 1981 with its second tower and numerous safety features in place. The hotel now donned 30,000 sprinklers, four in each guest room, an automatic fire alarm system, computers to monitor the entire hotel, 8,000 speakers, one in each room, and the central air was modified to prevent smoke from entering bedrooms with large exhaust fans installed. They also removed all plastic pipes, wires, and molding and each TV had a fire safety video hosted by Gene Kelly in English and Spanish. All of this making the MGM Grand the safest hotel in the world, and many hotels modeled themselves after it. In 1985, the hotel was sold to Bally's Entertainment Corporation for more than half a billion dollars and redesigned and renamed to Bally's Las Vegas, opening its doors in 1986. Now with 2,812 rooms, it remains one of the top hotels on the Strip. 
An MGM relocated just down the street at 3805 Las Vegas Boulevard in 1993. Upon its grand opening at Bally's, however, many began experiencing and seeing strange things, mostly in the original tower, which is now the North Tower at Bally's. And I'm hearing that management and employees are not allowed to discuss it publicly not wanting to hurt the hotel's reputation. According to writer Janice Oberding, quote, ghostly activity is often the result of great tragedy and sudden, unexpected loss of life. This is a common theory amongst paranormal investigators and parapsychologists, and the MJM Grand Fire is no exception. The activity is contained in the casino floor as well as the North Tower's upper floors. The most common reporting is of many guests complaining about, quote, an acrid smell of smoke, even though there's no one smoking nearby. It's also described as acid-like or as if something is burning. Screaming is often heard from the direction of the stairwells and throughout the hallways disembodied weeping, followed by a deadly silence. Apparitions appear in hallways and employee restrooms. Some have even reported them to be bluish in color, misty, and seem disoriented. Employees have seen apparitions of a group of people walking together or sitting down in the casino and then disappearing. In the casino, there's been several reports of apparitions appearing in the center of the play hall before everyone's eyes and then disappearing. There's an older woman commonly seen playing two slot machines at once, surrounded by smoke. People naturally assume it's from a cigarette, only to find that the back of her dress is on fire, but when they rush to approach her about it, she disappears. Others have reported being approached by a man in dated western clothing and giving them advice to switch to another slot machine, which they do. They get a jackpot, and then when they turn around, he's nowhere in sight. Shadow figures have been spotted in the stairwells, hallways, and elevator lobbies. Staff tend to go into rooms looking for a specific item, and that item falls on the floor. On the 17th floor corridor, the disembodied voice of what sounds like a young boy or girl is often heard, crying desperately for their mother. The cries usually fade into coughing, and then nothing. Also on the 17th floor, the apparition of an elderly couple is seen. They appear solemn, while the man has his arm wrapped around the lady in a protective manner. As they walk towards the end of the hallway, they fade into the wall. It's rumored that the service elevator in the North Tower is avoided by employees as often as possible, though why I'm not sure, except for the fact that employees were found dead there after the fire. Many have reported activity in one of the guest elevators, saying it has a mind of its own, and a female laughter is often heard from inside when it's on the fritz. The 23rd floor allegedly has the most activity, specifically in rooms where many guests have reported apparitions appearing in their rooms, 
just standing around and then fading away. Whispers are heard in people's ears in the middle of the night, as well as smoke alarms randomly going off for no reason, which is strange considering they didn't have any smoke alarms. Furniture and objects are often moved around in guest rooms as well as the shower curtain. Toilets flush themselves, sinks turn on and off on their own, and some staff have claimed to walk into a room they had just cleaned to find the bed sheets ripped off and crumpled on the beds. The tragic fire of the original MGM Grand Hotel was so unprecedented that for so many it was too late before they even realized, and now those spirits are frozen in time, in those last moments of their lives. It was also a hard lesson learned for many corporations looking to cut corners, the disaster serving as a huge reality check of people over profits. Despite the loss and misfortune, the MGM thrived, even in their new location, and Bally's as well. After the fire, the location was used in several films like Rocky IV, Hot Shots, Honeymoon in Vegas, and the incredible Burt Wonderstone. Bally's even took down their fame theater, the Celebrity Room, to make room for their adjacent sister hotel, Paris, Las Vegas. And trust me if you haven't been when I say it's gorgeous. I had a terrific time in Vegas, and honestly, it wasn't until this moment that I realized I was missing out on the ghostly sightings. I reckon I welcome it more than most who have had their spooky experiences. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening, and if it's on Apple, kindly leave us a rate and review as it's a huge help to us and we'd greatly appreciate it. We post episodes every Monday. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find our Twitter handle at WTTNP, and our Facebook and Instagram can be found with the handle at WTTNPodcast. We'd also love to hear your stories. If you've had a ghostly encounter you'd like to share with us, email us a voice recording at welcometotheneighborhoodpod at gmail.com, or send it to us through DM. If you prefer to type it instead of recording yourself, that's fine too. Tune in next week for a true crime case in a new city. Stay safe out there. Thanks for stopping by.